1: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Financial Choices Matter. I'm Mark Haywood, alongside Charles Scott here on the podcast today. He is a fiduciary advisor, that means he's working in your best interest, at Peloton Capital Management, serving you in Scottsdale. Find him online at pelotoncapital.com, that's pelotoncapital.com. You can also call 480-513-1830. That's 480-513-1830. Charles, with that, hello and welcome into the show. Well, hi back at you, Mark. So, fun to be
0: here today, and I'm sure we've got some good stuff to talk about.
1: Yes, always have a lot to discuss on the podcast. There's never enough time for these. I mean, I swear we could go on... For an hour, but uh, you might not want to listen for an hour, so we try to keep them short and digestible. Let's kick it off today with a little bit of headlines in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. That's right, it is time for In the News. We love to talk about what's going on out there in the world, specifically in the financial world and politics. We try to stay apolitical on the show, but that doesn't stop us from trying to help you understand how the news around you will affect your finances or could affect your finances. So Charles, this week's headline, the federal government recently admitted that the social security trust fund will be insolvent by 2034 and the Medicare trust fund by 2026. What implications does this have on retirement planning for your clients?
0: Well, obviously it's a concern to people. And for the most part, The biggest confusion, I think, with folks that we talk to on a regular basis is they really don't know what it means when they say it's insolvent. Is that like, am I never going to get a Social Security check again or what? That's exactly what I was just thinking. No, and that's not what it is. At this stage, at this point in time for Social Security by 2034, if nothing changes and why we try to leave politics out of it, the politics are reality and it is fixable if they do something. If they don't do anything, then by 2034, what's really going to happen is you're probably going to just get a reduction in benefits. They don't get eliminated, but they are reduced. And right now, their number they're talking about is about 24% something, somewhere in that neighborhood. Just reduction in benefit. Still going to get the benefit, but you're going to get less of a benefit. And I think when we have these conversations with clients, the other thing that I try to make sure that they understand is this is not complicated. This can be fixed you know, this social security has been around since 1935, and not a whole heck of a lot over that period a long period of time, not a lot has changed. But, you know, there's a couple things you could do to remedy this, if they were willing to take political action, you could continue to raise the retirement age, because it has been adjusted a few, you know, several years ago, they tweaked it up. And so, you know, it used to be just 65, then it went to 66. And now they're, you know, every depending on when you're born, It's now as much as 67. If you just keep ratcheting it up like they've done it in the past, you're going to claim later. You're going to get your maximum benefit later on. The other thing that you could do is you could remove the lid, the ceiling of when dollars get paid into Social Security. Once you make over a certain amount, you know, I can't remember the exact number, $130,000 or $140,000 a year, you no longer have your Social Security, you know, no more taxes come out. You could continue to raise that. So, you know, it's a concern for people, uh, especially for younger people. But at the same time, it is the reality of what it is. It's never been the one and only retirement plan you were supposed to have. So just understanding what's going on with it gives you an opportunity to make some plans and and plan accordingly so that you don't end up with a big giant surprise. Can we do other things to mitigate that issue going forward? And cross your fingers and hopefully the politicians will say, okay, well, this can be fixed. We gradually change things as opposed to just one big fell swoop and we'll see where it goes so yeah it's a concern but it's you know it's not the end of the world and it's just another piece that has to fit into somebody's overall financial plan
1: so it's not going away but it could look different and i like what you said there charles talking about surprises you're going to get surprises in your retirement and they may not be related to social security you're going to have those life surprises that happen as well the trick is to plan in advance For those surprises, and of course it's difficult to do because you never know what could happen, but you can be prepared so that when those life suddenly moments come up and affect you, you're not as affected as you would be otherwise. It's important to plan for those moments. This has been In the News. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, that sound means it's time to hear from you. We love hearing from our listeners on the podcast. Love to get your questions. Please don't ever hesitate to submit them to us. This week's question comes to us from Hans in Avondale. Hans says, I hate having money in the bank because it's not earning enough interest every month to even buy me a cheeseburger from the value menu. For the money that I've earmarked as my emergency fund, is there something better I can do with it? What a question. And what a guy. (laughs) Great question.
0: Everybody's facing this dilemma. Interest rates are starting to creep up so that the penny I make every month on my savings account, it might double to two. Ooh. The reality is there's not a lot that you can do without taking some kind of risk. And I think having it in an emergency fund means you want to be sure that there is no investment risk to it and you want to be safe. And you, know, you can always get it. It's always going to be liquid. And I'm going to give an example here. And this is absolutely not an investment recommendation. But I got a thing in the mail the other day from Toyota Financial. Uh, We financed cars through them before. And they were were offering a 2% note, daily compounding interest that you could transfer money in from your bank account to them and you could take it right back out the next day, all done electronically. And I think you need to start to look around for some places. Uh, You might have a credit union. There might be online banks that have a little bit higher interest rate. I was kind of intrigued by the Toyota offer you know, 2%. I mean, while that's not going to kill it, it's not a bad idea. And I would assume that we can all feel fairly certain that Toyota is probably not going to go out of business, because this is just their promise to pay you 2%. There is nothing collateralizing it, backing it up or anything else other than the financial strength of Toyota. There are some other places to look, go hunting online and just see. They don't have to necessarily be insured. And that's probably not a bad idea. But at the same time, you're going to maybe trade off a little bit of perceived security from insurance with a little bit higher yield and a little bit higher yield without trying to be greedy is not a bad idea. So there are some other places to look. You just kind of have to dig a little deeper because it used to be really simple. But, you know, in these days of low interest rates, and again, I say they are rising slowly but surely. Go look because some stuff is out there.
1: Oh, I like that. I mean, it's just all about digging a little deeper and working with an advisor who knows how to help you dig a little deeper. I mean, you can enter a wormhole on the Internet, but of course, if you're working with a professional and as you know, you're a fiduciary, Charles, and that means you're looking in your client's best interest. And so you can help clients to kind of look through and think through the best strategies for their money. Thanks for the question, Hans. And while we're at it, don't knock on the dollar menu. There's nothing wrong with the cheeseburger off the dollar menu. Love going to get some McDonald's. Just have to make that clear on the podcast. All right. Well, let's move on and give the people what they came here for. You probably saw the title online about being a victim of fuzzy math. Are you doing fuzzy math? Quite frankly, a lot of investors and advisors are when it comes to their retirement planning. So let's just explore some of these areas where you might be doing fuzzy math. So as an example, Charles, if someone says the mutual funds that I'm currently invested in have averaged 7% annual growth for the last five years, and I'm perfectly happy with that return throughout my retirement, what would you say to that math?
0: The number is the number. The number depends, though, on how it's calculated, where it actually comes from. And if you're looking at the last five years, for example, what you've got is a pretty good five years. And they're not always good five years. We know that. It's 2008 has sort of faded from memory, but it's there. You know, in 2000, 2001, we're a whole lot better. It's nice to say, if I can average that, but what you have to, you know, can I get 7% a year on average? Okay, good. That's a decent return. That means mathematically your money would double every 10 years. That's just the old-fashioned rule of 72. But what happens is you never get 7 in any given year. You get an average of 7 over however long a period of time you want to look at. But it's almost never, ever going to be 7 exactly. So you've got to realize you're going to have up and down along the way. And if you're averaging seven, you just hope you don't have a, you know, a minus 27 because that's when the math suddenly becomes a lot more difficult. If you go down, for example, if you went down 20% in a portfolio in a given year, and that would have been a good return in 2008. But if you went down 20% to get back even, you've got to go up 25%. So, you know, the math works for you and against you. You just need to understand where it's coming from, what it really means and how it would impact you in actual dollars. And that's going to be one of the differences. So yeah, if you could get a 7% return for the rest of your life on average, that's great. It's just how much volatility and up and down wild ride could there be to get to that point. So you've got to know any kind of number that you pick. If you focus on that and don't know where it's coming from, then you're going to get confused and it does get a bit fuzzy.
1: Make sure your math is clear. Uh, another statement you've probably heard, Charles, this one's actually pretty common. So I'm not I'm not knocking on folks. I get where the line of thinking comes, but it is fuzzy math. And that is, Charles, it's definitely best to wait until I'm 70 to start my social security so that I can get the biggest monthly amount possible.
0: Absolutely correct. Mathematically, you max out your retirement social security benefit at age 70 and it's reduced every year prior to that but you have to ask some other questions and that is can you wait that long can you afford to wait that long how's your health if you're married how old is your spouse because there are some specific things that you need to know about potentially prolonging the spousal benefit if there's a we have a new client just came on board He's 65, she's 55. You know, that's enough of a difference in age that there's going to be a potential impact on her social security benefits. So you try to optimize and maximize the benefit to the client at the same time. But the longer you wait, the more your benefit from social security is going to be. But then as with almost everything else in life, I would say, certainly in finances, there's more to the story. It's the old Paul Harvey quote of now the rest of the story. You need to know how that impacts you and if that's a good thing or not a good thing if your family has died young you probably want to start to begin to collect early if you've got health issues that might be a reason not to wait so is the math correct yes absolutely you're going to get the most benefit at 70 but there could be all kinds of extenuating circumstances why that's not the best idea
1: Wow. A Paul Harvey reference. I like that you dropped that. I can't believe he made it into the podcast today, but I like what you said there. And that's the rest of the story, right? You have to see what's going on. What are your underlying circumstances? And that's why it's really important that you get this comprehensive financial plan in place. You probably heard us talk about that on the podcast before. It's just incredibly important that you get a plan together that's looking at all areas of your finances and that's specifically for you and your goals and your unique circumstances. Circumstances. We talked earlier about those life suddenly moments, those surprises. We talked about Social Security. Maybe you have different health care issues that you're thinking about as you age. It's all about your unique situation, and you need a plan that's custom-tailored to your goals. That's why we always want you to work with a fiduciary, and why, quite frankly, we hope that you give Charles Scott and his team a call to see if they might can help you. Reach out to them at 480 513 one eight three zero. 830 That's 480-513-1830. If you have questions or want more information, that is your number to call 480-513-1830. Thanks for listening to Financial Choices Matter.